Welcome to Circus Voices, brought to you by CircusTalk.com, the leading online career and casting marketplace for circus and the performing arts, and an essential resource for circus and multidisciplinary artists and talent seekers. I'm your host, Thomas Chambers, and welcome to A Creative Space, NFTs, Web3, and the performing arts. Join us as we learn more about this new technology and its potential influence on the performing arts. And with that being said, it is my pleasure to introduce our first guest of the series, Tony Award nominee, Mr. Eric Neal of The Third Act. Eric, thank you for coming on A Creative Space. Thanks so much for having me, Thomas. I'm really excited to be here. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? How'd you get involved in, say, the performing arts world? For sure. Uh, I'm originally from Toronto, Canada. I moved down to New York about six, seven years ago. Um, and my start began in advertising, and I founded an advertising agency in Manhattan that handles a fair amount of marketing in the entertainment space, uh, live events, sports, and theater. Um, so that's kind of where I got involved with it initially as on the marketing side and just loved everything that came with it, loved the creative opportunities, loved the, the quick feedback on, um, from audiences on, on how a show is doing. And that's kind of how I got my start in the space. Uh, since then, I've kind of become more of an entrepreneur and a creator in the space as I founded Third Act just over a year ago um, to help bring blockchain to Broadway. That's amazing. And what exactly is the Third Act just for our audience? Yeah, Third Act is theater's first NFT marketplace, giving fans a whole new way to collect and engage with their favorite shows. Third Act, plain and simple, is where theater collects. That's amazing. And speaking of collecting, you almost collected an award there, a Tony Award. Can you give a little uh, elaboration on how that came to be? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I was a, a co-producer on uh, Burn This, um, which premiered at uh, the Hudson Theater just a few years ago. Um, and that was uh, through a producing friend and contact of mine that had got me involved there. And that was one of the shows that, again, got me further into the space, more involved as um as an entrepreneur in it, as an investor in it, and um, deep in my kind of uh, experience creating in the space and what goes on within the producer's circle. So it's given me some pretty good insight on where opportunities are and the kind of things producers worry about that, um, that Third Act trying to, tries to help. That's amazing. Congratulations on the nomination. That's a, quite an accomplishment in itself. Thanks and so-, so with the Third Act, you're talking about uh, a bit of a marketplace for collectibles, for, say, fans and artists and creatives in itself. But what exactly does the space, like, say, NFTs and Web3 have to do with the Third Act? Like, say, uh, what does it entail uh, fundamentally? Yeah, so Third Act is a digitals, digital collectibles marketplace for theater goods or e-merchandise, e-collectibles. What that means is we help theater makers and uh, actors, shows, um, theatrical IP holders create these digital assets out of their likeness, out of the shows they run, out of the the shows that are on or closed. Um, These take the form of digital files from video, audio, um, images, JPEGs, and they're recorded on a blockchain, so they're able to effectively be traded and, and resold. Wow. Okay, so let's back it up a second, because I know there's a lot of our audience that don't really know anything about this space, like myself included. When I first heard the word NFT or blockchain or cryptocurrency in general, I was like, I was a bit of a skeptic, you know, I didn't really know what was going to like entail and everything. So maybe we could just elaborate on exactly what 
these uh, defined things are. So what exactly is an NFT? Yeah, for sure. I think before we go on to NFT, I'd love to talk about, you touched on it before, the blockchain, because I think that's the core piece that we we all need to understand or kind of I should explain briefly before we go into it. Um, and a blockchain is a record of transactions. In its simplest form, it's just a record of transactions. The thing that makes it a little bit different is it's public, it's permanent, and it's distributed. So it's public, meaning that everyone can see what's going on. All of the transactions are listed publicly. They're not, you know, concealed like Visa would conceal their transactions. Uh, it's permanent, permanent, meaning it's irreversible. So you can't tamper with it and go back and change things. If something were traded on a blockchain, you would have to trade it back. Um, and both parties would have to agree to it. But that initial transaction would still be there in record. And it's distributed. So meaning it's recorded. Uh, or stored in a network of computers or nodes. So it's more secure and more permanent. If one of these nodes were to go down, there are still you know, dozens or sometimes thousands of nodes, depending on the chain, that are storing this exact same record. Wow, so, so there's a level of transparency right within this blockchain technology that everyone can see it. Anyone who is associated with it can understand where the records are coming from and what's actually the transaction. So that's a, it kind of makes people a little bit more comfortable I would feel, you know, to understand like where everything's being put into, where everything's being sold and for what price, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you have complete provenance of a transaction, of an asset, of, of funds on the on blockchain. And like to purchase anything on a blockchain, uh, just because we're going to kind of go into NFTs in a second, this is all done through cryptocurrency, correct? Yes, correct. So cryptocurrency are funds that are traded on the blockchain. So this could be Ethereum, it could be HBAR, it could be uh, Bitcoin. There are stable coins that are pegged to the value of, of a fiat currency. Um, and this is what transacts on the blockchain itself. Um, uh, yeah. And how do you purchase a cryptocurrency for those who like have no idea whatsoever? Typically, it's purchased at an exchange. So something like Coinbase, um, uh, for, for example. Um, we also, within Third Act specifically, found that that was a little bit confusing and complicated. So we use Stripe as a fiat on-ramp. So you can do it via credit card um, and crypto is deposited into your account and you deposit or withdraw via credit card and Stripe. Uh, typically, it can be done at an exchange, um, another place online where they can distribute it to you. Right. And these are called wallets, right? So just like you have like a wallet at home where you put all your money, there's a, like an electric, like digital wallet that you put all these cryptocurrencies in. Yeah, so you, it's exactly it. You're issued a wallet just like, you know, your Venmo account, which I think can also store crypto now as well. They've added that feature. This is a wallet that's specifically for cryptocurrency where you can transact, deposit and withdraw from. So when we're talking about NFTs, right, we're talking about a non-fungible token. What entirely is a token that's non-fungible? Great question. So the term non-fungible is not new. It's been around for a long time. What that means is two things or something that is not cannot be traded with itself. So if it has a serial number or an addition number, you know, we may have the two Derek Jeter baseball cards, but yours is 001 and mine's 056. So the first edition could have greater perceived value. Um, Non-fungible tokens are just like cryptocurrencies, but they have their own edition numbers like a lithograph, lithograph poster. They're recorded on and traded on blockchains. Right. And now when you make this transaction, 
uh, is there any cost like outside of the initial purchase? Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, there are um, there can be fees associated with minting, which are called gas fees, and that's the the cost of um, getting it kind of recorded within these nodes. And so within something like Ethereum, it can be that's typically a more expensive chain. Something like Hedera Hashgraph that we're built on are is incredibly efficient in fractions of a penny to mint these things. So it's very negligible. Um, it varies depending on the the demand, really. If there's a lot of people minting at the same time, it can be a little bit more expensive. Um, if it's a, a lighter time where there's less demand, it can be a bit less expensive. Yeah, because I've, I've read a lot about gas fees and that for, for the performing arts industry, especially right now, you know, the carbon, like reducing the carbon footprint is extremely important. And I know that the uh, Web3 NFT world got a bit of a like a couple of hits there for you know not being so carbon footprint friendly um so it's interesting that you use a specific wallet and you actually have a partnership with um uh, an organization that is very aware of that and that you can reduce the carbon footprint uh when you're purchasing the, purchasing these entities correct absolutely um so again we work with hedera hashgraph they are arguably the most green blockchain uh, in existence they have again fees that are fractions of a penny. A transaction on Hedera is about a third the amount of energy expelled uh, as a Visa swipe. So if you're comfortable, you know, walking down Fifth Avenue and swiping your credit card for something, uh, this is even more efficient than that to purchase with Third Act uh, through Hedera. That's very interesting. And so when you're going to purchase an NFT um, and you get onto this blockchain, so now we're like in the in the Web three world. Right, there are there marketplaces, correct? But is there just one marketplace? Because I know for the for third act, you have your own website, you have your own marketplace where you sell all of these things. But can you go to different marketplaces? Say for someone who just wants to kind of try it out and like kind of see what the market looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So marketplaces really help make the blockchain more digestible, easier to understand with better UI because. Blockchain is such a dense technology. It's, it, I find it rather simple, but it took a while to get there. But um, the marketplaces are where there are really familiar user interfaces and graphics that help you just digest the experience a lot e more easily. Um, that's what we focus on with Third Act. And again, yeah, we are a marketplace unto ourselves. There are plenty of other ones out there. Uh, we focus on, on theater and the performing arts. So other marketplaces include NBA Top Shot. They focus on basketball, NFTs, the NBA and WNBA. Uh, OpenSea is a very general marketplace. Kind of anybody and their their brother or sister could, could put something on there about whatever they wanted to. They could take a photo of their lunch. It could be, you know, whatever you want. Um, those are some of the big ones out there um, that are, again, kind of general or niche marketplaces. Right. And this is where you can find, like, say, NFT collections and uh, different projects that are going on. Like, say, for the third act, uh, when I was going through your website, it's super well organized and very clear about what you guys do. But also, I see different shows. So now you're using these shows and are you promoting them as well or trying to help, like, the creative producers kind of uh, create outreach for yeah, their projects? Absolutely. absolutely. We help give shows exposure to a new audience as well as engage existing fan bases. So, the NFT becomes something that you can surprise and delight fans for. Hey, you went to this show. Amazing. Here's a record of your, you know, attendance. This is like, you know, a proof for a badge of honor to say or pride to say, hey, I, I was at this specific show. That's amazing. Um, and then you can also add it to, hey, first 
100 tickets sold, sold are going to get an NFT, which is also a fun way to just drive the core business forward within theater. Um, and again, we work specifically within theater because we found there was so much to do there. There was, it was, it seems niche from the outside, but uh, I think as, as you and I both know, being in the performing arts world, there's so much, and there are categories within categories uh, in this space. So everything from working with people like the public theater to an individual like Brian Stokes Mitchell, we've created collections or one-offs or, or collectibles. Um, that were just right for them in their their specific use case. So we, we think that there's a lot of opportunity here to work with shows to make large collections, to make small ones, to make ones that are just for you know opening night, for special moments, for fundraising and, and producers, and for fans to buy into um, more access to a show and getting more content and treating it more like a membership card. Right. And say like this membership card, just for the people that don't understand this, when you buy an NFT encoded in this in this digital asset is something called a smart contract and maybe you can touch on a little bit more about what a smart contract actually is but um when you're talking about these different perks and like a different membership it's interesting that when you purchase this this member piece of memorabilia you actually get all these perks that are involved and that the producers want to have like this inclusive aspect attached to their project, right? Totally. And, and that comes down to what the producers and the show and the cast and creative kind of want to put forward. But those are, are the best kind of use cases for NFTs, which is holding something gives you the right or access to something. That's a really kind of magical use case for um, this technology. And you, you brought up a good point around smart contracts, which are another thing that really only blockchains can do to uh, provide this benefit of giving really equ equitable pay structures or royalties to the, the original creators of the NFTs in the show with every transaction. So it allows shows to create a bit of passive revenue through royalties because they get a, a percentage of sales on every secondary sale, every subsequent sale, a small portion goes back to the theater makers themselves. So this is done through a smart contract, which is a program that's stored on the blockchain and it runs whenever certain conditions are met. So you could mirror, you know, a producing contract with an actor on the blockchain. And whenever the NFT is sold, um, you know, when X happens, do Y. When X NFT is sold, distribute Y percentage to these parties. So it becomes a really efficient way to manage your back of house on those royalties as well. Um, and it can be pretty light touch. Yeah, not only to be efficient, but just to touch on what you were speaking about earlier, the transparency, you know, within this blockchain technologies that you can see everything that is outlined in these smart contracts. There are no uh, fine print that you should have looked at within the contract or someone trying to pull the rug from under you. Well, actually, in the Web3 world, that's a rug pull is another term that we can talk about <laughs> later. But it's it's interesting and I think very nice for, for people who are coming into this space to understand the transparency factor and understand that when you create within this digital world, trying to build these creative digital assets, that it's it's for everyone to see. And it's it's there's no hidden costs or hidden details that you have to worry about. Absolutely. That's I think that's the, the future of the fan and uh, entertainment relationship is more transparency and a bit of a stake or ownership in, in what you're experiencing. 
And speaking of the future, you know, like Circus Talk, where we're hosting this this podcast, they're advocates of a world where like circus is recognized as an art form, right? And as an important driver of innovation and reimagination within the performing arts. How do you envision the performing arts world in like say 20 year olds, 20 years, sorry, with this technology coming to life and influencing what we're doing? It's a great question. Um, I think in 20 years, it's going to go from right now it's being accepted and we're still working through some of that. And I think there are some great innovators in this space um, that are helping push this forward and, and great examples of, of collections in the marketplace. And I think that over the next 20 years, it's going to go from being accepted to being expected. And I think there's going to be more literacy around blockchains and what you're buying, what these digital assets mean, what they, what you get with them, what access you get, or are they simply just collectibles? But I think there'll be a lot of, it'll just be common knowledge or just expected to have some kind of a, a legitimate record behind your, your digital experiences or digital collectibles. Right. And cause right now I feel like there's a big uh, you know, it's a trend, right? When you hear NFT, it's a bit of a buzzword. People think you have a board ape or you're going to become a millionaire, like just overnight because the price went up, but it's not entirely what this technology is about. And a lot of people who are, um, enthusiasts about this technology are not really for that kind of vision towards the technology, right? It's about like being inclusive and being your own, uh, creative boss, right? You're your own creative producer. If you want to uh, build your own brand and start creating a community, you can do it without this massive corporation around you. And with the third act, I thought that was extremely interesting where someone who is um, a, a solo actor, someone who like say needs a producer to, to fund their project and help them pave the way to get out there, they could use your platform and promote it themselves. And now they're these producers with the help of this technology, correct? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a great way to fundraise, to do storytelling, to do community building, really. And what else do we have in store, say, for the third act? What Actually, let's back it up. What projects do you have right now that are uh, being promoted on your website? Yeah, that's a great, uh, a great question. We have uh, just recently, our most recent collection or piece came through the public theater. We helped them make their NFT debut. They created a one-of-one -one piece that they auctioned off for their annual gala on the green. Uh, which was a fantastic uh, event for them and, and marked the kickoff to their 60th uh, annual Shakespeare in the Park um, productions. Um, we started with a collection called Herding Cats, which is a sh was a show out in the Soho Theater in London, and with Brian Stokes Mitchell to produce some tokens in his likeness. And then we worked with Stellar Tickets uh, as well to produce a collection in tandem with their show, Crossovers Live. Um, uh, Brian actually interviewed a number of his Broadway friends like Kristen Chenoweth, Vanessa Williams, Mark Shaman, uh, Daniel J. Watts. And so we made collections that show as well. So those are the collections that we have on the platform today. And with these collections, how does the process work with you and these, uh, you know, creative professionals in the theater world? Do they come to you with an idea? Do you help them kind of give a couple options like we can try this and the other and then do you build it for them? How does that work? How does the process work? Yeah, it's, it's um, we are, Third Act is both a marketplace and a service. We have an NFT studio as a part of our company that helps with the creative process. So we involve producers or the theater maker 
as much as they want. We love really collaborative partners, but we didn't want this process to be burdensome. So we take on all of that creative production. We immerse ourselves in the show. We, you know, read and, and, and view as much material as we can on the project. And then we develop concepts and go through them uh, with, you know, with producers, like a, a basic creative process where we're proposing certain ways forward and best practice based on our experience to, you know, gain a lot, but also give a lot in a collection and create something that's right for the show and also right for fans. So it, it's a mixture of producers approach, approaching us and saying, you know, we just want to do this or we definitely want to do this specific idea. And other times it's us saying this would, this show is a perfect fit for NFTs and, um, and here's why. And we'll kind of go through that creative exploration process with them. And that's uh, it, it's really nice to have, you know, platforms and uh, companies like yourself that are willing to be a service as well, you know, cause I feel like this, this space is so intricate and just daily hourly changing, right? <laughs> it's so hard to keep up with the advances of this technology that is good to keep up with it. And with this technology, I believe last time we spoke, you said that you were uh, either speaking at some conference in New York City, and it, it was NYC NFT, correct? Uh, yeah, and I, I spoke at the the first NFT NYC uh, last year, um, and then I was also very recently on a panel about NFTs at BroadwayCon as well. Wow, BroadwayCon, that's crazy! How are you seeing like the industry develop from their from their perspective? You know, for for us in like say like the ordinary artist, it's just okay. How can we incorporate that into our brand, and how can we start to promote it ourselves? But with these big corporations, how do you see their kind of perspective on how it's going, and say like where their uh, vision is? Yeah, for for the larger um, corporations or shows. There is, I, I do find a bit of a different mindset as well, um, where shows of that size can afford to do something more general and more as a gift to audiences. Um, a lot of them are really interested in the marketing story that comes from NFTs. And I think that's one thing we've been good at developing with some of the shows that we're kind of in the works with right now, which is how does this exist alongside your show and give you more exposure to a new audience, this kind of you know digitally native and crypto enthused audience. Um, and, and they're looking to use it as either an incentive or a souvenir or a marketing um, uh, program to help drive more awareness and traffic. And say for these thespians that wanna come in and use this technology and work with Third Act, for the piece of memorabilia that they can create or uh, different items that they can sell to help benefit their project. Is it just a one-off? Is it just like one singular item? Can they do multiple? Well, you know, to what scale can, can they bring their ideas? The best thing about it can also be the most challenging thing where, you know, blockchain and NFTs are truly a, a white canvas, a, a blank canvas. Um, you can have, you can mint your NFT and it be one of one. And there's only one edition of it. You could also, you know, give it literally, 50,000 instances if you want. So part of it comes down to a little bit of the economics behind it. How many make sense? You wanna make sure that there's a certain amount of access to it and depending on your audience and the story, that tends to inform um, the, the scale of the program. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's something that we ever go into with hard rules, like you have to make a thousand of these or you cannot make more than 10 of these. It's typically a, a little bit more of an art than a science when it comes to the supply at this point, because it depends on the story. It depends on the, the run of the show. It depends on the how popular or how well known the show is. 
So these are all things we consider and have active discussions with producers about when we're making a collection. Yeah, the, it's it's interesting that you said that too, that it's, it's an art rather than a science, because I feel like for people that are coming into this space, it's hard to, you know, to s- decipher through that, right? Yeah, and I think you want to um, take the approach of it, NFTs specifically are social currency, not cryptocurrency. I think we've always taken the approach of this is collectible art. These are closer to trading cards or lithographic prints where you want, you know, you want your marker or your souvenir to say, I was there. I saw this. I witnessed this specific performance. And I think over time, that plus time is a winning strategy. I think I just saw, I think it was literally two days ago, there was a the, the most expensive baseball card was just sold. I don't know if you saw that. There was a Mickey Mantle trading card from 1952 that just sold for over $12 million. But, you know, that's a 60-year-old card. So who knows what our Brian Stokes Mitchell NFTs will become. But I think it's collectible plus time is a really interesting kind of theory. And if you can layer in experiences and re-engage and stay connected to people who hold them, that's a really exciting proposition. Uh, It excites me. Right. Absolutely. And to touch on, you know, because with every amazing technology with any amazing feed comes with some negative, you know, negative aspect to it, you know, the validity of these assets, right? And this technologies, especially with cryptocurrency is kind of interesting. How do you, how would you take as approach to deal with the validity or like as a mindset when you're getting into this space, you know, that the price can fluctuate and it can be worth a lot, you know, just like this, this uh, baseball card that just got sold for 12 million. That's insanity. But it didn't, it wasn't worth that about two years ago, right? And now with these digital assets, even though it's set in stone and it's there and it's cemented, the price can always change, right? Absolutely. And I think that's a really key thing for me that was why I chose to take the NFT approach as opposed to a cryptocurrency approach around theater um, because theater does place a higher value, I think, on art in general. And I think that's, that's an a necessary kind of attitude for NFTs to be considered. And the NFTs themselves on our platform, because we have uh, a fiat currency on off-ramp, so you can deposit and withdraw via Stripe, that does sort of bring stability to the price of the NFTs where it's not, you're not paying in ETH or Ethereum where it's one ETH and yesterday it was worth $1,000 and now it's worth $3,000 just on the fluctuation of the cryptocurrency. So we are much more like a stable coin where it's in USD. So if it was $20 yesterday for one of our you know, crossover entities, it's still $20 today unless the individual changes the price. Um, so those fluctuations won't happen as greatly. And I just didn't want that, that volatility to happen in a marketplace that already requires people to get a little bit more familiar with. That's super interesting and can really bring you know, a lot of creative people into that kind of space, you know, within third act, because I feel like that's what's kind of making people hesitant to get into the space is to understand exactly like how they get a wallet. How do they get a cryptocurrency? Which cryptocurrency should they use? What is ETH? What is Bitcoin? You know, and Bitcoin being, you know, pretty much the uh, the foundation of all of this uh, to, to make all this possible. It's hard for people to understand you know, that there's there's other ways of getting involved in this space and this this art form than just going on and trying to buy like CryptoPunk or things like that. It's, it's super interesting and it's really nice to see that with Third Act. 
Yeah, and I think some of those those other kind of projects that you talked about, they're interesting. There was just the VMAs were just the other day, and they had these board eight, you know, uh, performances by Snoop Dogg and Eminem, and they did these, you know, they showed up in their characters and they did all these animations with them, and so. I think having extensions like that are exciting and interesting and, and get the art form of NFTs kind of out there in the broader public to just get exposure to it and comfortability with it. I think that's another, that's a thing that we've always tried to do at third act was just make it simple and easy um, to get involved and improve kind of the literacy around it by just getting conversational with NFTs um, because it's going to be more and more common as time goes on, there's more people building the space. There are more projects every day. So it will just start to become ubiquitous. And I think we're going to get to that point where it's just this, this blockchain decentralized um, kind of network. Um, one, one piece I might, I don't know if you want to put this in or not. This is kind of like a more philosophical thing that um, I found, I've kind of thought was interesting about the space, which is why is there this hesitancy or why is there sometimes apprehension or confusion around this space and like this image, why do I want it? Why and I, do I own it? What does it mean when I own it? And I think that there's some of that added, those attitudes come from a generation of not owning much of owning less than ever before. I think Uber, I, I've seen the pitch deck for Uber way back. And one of their biggest things they campaigned on that convinced a lot of investors was they said the world is shifting from ownership to access. Think about the biggest hotel in the world. They own none of their real estate. That's Airbnb. Think about the largest taxi cab service in the world now. They don't own any of their cars. It's Uber. Um, and so I think that's been going on for decades now where we want more access and less ownership. And I think blockchain is reintroducing ownership. And I find it pretty refreshing especially on digital where I now look at Instagram and I go, I'm kind of window shopping. Like I don't, what is, I feel a little bit more detached from Instagram because I go like, what is my relationship to this content other than an algorithm that's trying to understand me and feed me more of it. Um, that's where I find blockchain to be pretty interesting because it's very intentional and it's bringing ownership back in a space that it basically non-existent. That's extremely interesting. And I completely agree with you because at first I was a huge skeptic. I really wanted nothing to do with it. I was like, okay, this just looks like a stock. This looks like like an algorithm that I need to learn about. I'm I have no interest in learning about this. But then diving a little deeper and going like down the rabbit hole a bit more, it's exactly what you're saying. And it opens so many doors to be creative. Like especially within the performing arts industry, right? If you're in theater, if you're in music, if you're in circus, really can create a platform and and a community for your brand to promote it the way promote it the way that you want, right? To then have royalties attached to the creative ideas that you're making, right? So that the money comes back to you and then it starts funding your projects again, right? And it's continually building. There will be uh, more efficient ways to get this done as well, right? As we look forward, right? Yep, 100%. I, I joke we're in the DVD era of NFTs right now. And I think there's some great, <laughs> great stuff going on uh, in, in DVDs when they were in their heyday. Um, and I still have some, and I actually wonder if those will even be collectibles at a certain time. But um, yeah, again, we're in early days, and I think there's this is blockchain is where the next massive companies are going to be built, and not even massive just in size or like an employee headcount or anything like that, but just in terms of um, how integrated into our lives uh, they will become. 
It's crazy. Well, it's amazing to hear about the third act. And uh, what else do you have in store? How do how do you see the third act developing? Is there anything any like new uh, hints you want to give us or sneak peeks? Yeah, I gotta stay pretty tight lipped about this right now. We have a lot of exciting things in the works. Uh, a few new shows that we're working with. We have some new features that we're kind of in R and D on and finalizing um, that you could should look for by the end of the year. Um, that's kind of all I can say right now. I know I'm being a little bit coy, but if you want to stay in touch, definitely check us out at thirdact.digital. Follow us on our socials, make an account, browse around, find something you love, and, uh, and, and kind of start getting familiar with what the future is going to be. Absolutely, man. But yeah, thank you again for our very first guest on A Creative Space, Eric Neal. Thank you very much for joining us, man. Thanks so much for having me, Thomas. I look forward to, to following along with this uh, program. You too. I'm really excited to see what Third Act has in store and uh, the different projects you're going to be representing. Thanks so much. Thanks again to our very first guest, Eric Neal, for joining us on A Creative Space. Please stay tuned for our next episode, where we'll be joined by our second guest, Jean-Luc Pellerin from Montreal, founder of Web3 Montreal. If you do not already have a Circus Talk profile, I invite you to go create one and upgrade to Pro and visit the Arts and Tech section for more development in this exciting space. If you are a talent, take advantage of the news profile fields that make you stand out in the talent searches. And if you're a talent seeker, do not miss out on accessing over 30,000 talent profiles from 193 countries. We have a special offer for the Circus Voices listeners. Receive 15% off your annual membership by using the code CircusVoices2022. Stay tuned for more episodes on Circus Voices, a creative space, NFTs, Web3, and the performing arts. Mm -hmm.